This is a pre-recorded version of the WTKA Roundtable <laughs> on WTKA, unsurprisingly, 9 o'clock Thursdays. It is recorded, however, so if you call in, no one will answer. back folks here on the michigan insider sports talk 1050 wtka online at wtka.com it is the week of the game and as such we couldn't miss the opportunity for the mgo blog roundtable not with the clash of the titans upon us the battle of the undefeated michigan ohio state this is the big 10 championship of course we have to do a roundtable this week and the guys were great were, were kind enough to oblige us when we asked when you come on on Tuesday, here they are. The MGO Blog crew starting off. The man that started it all at MGO Blog, Brian Cook. Brian, how are you? Good. You got to tell Rich Reddy to get off my airwaves when I'm, <laughs> it's time for me to get on. Spouting all this nonsense about the best dojos. Come on, we got football to talk about. Sledding hills in Ann Arbor. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, look, the Tommy Top 3 is a must, must do every week, even the week of the game. Yeah, he's great, incidentally. I love Rich Reddy. I can't say enough good about him. He, he loves you, Greg. He, he stayed around just to tell you hi, and then, oh, you know, really? he, he just couldn't wait yeah. any longer. But he loves okay. he loves Craig Ross, as we all do, the venerable yeah. Craig Ross. How are you this morning, Craig? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing great. And then, of course, Seth Fisher. Seth, good morning. How are you? Uh, I got to tell you, Sam, the best sledding hill in America is actually the spot right between the kickout block and the down block in Michigan's power running game this Saturday. That's that's exactly where you should be sledding. <laughs> they're going right through there. Uh, all right. So let's dive right in, fellas, to looking back at the Illinois game because I want to spend ample time on those Buckeyes, the, the who? but big takeaways of Brian Cook from uh, the Illinois contest. Well, I mean, this was the first time Michigan had really faced a super aggressive defense since I think the Indiana game. They were plus one in the box for most of the day. They played a lot of zero where they'd move their safety down super late and have him take the edge. So that really messed with Michigan's blocking schemes. But when Coram was out there, they were able to cope. They had a, a number of man beaters up that, that did pretty well. And then you just had this passing game that had opportunities and for various reasons was un unable to take advantage of them. So if Michigan gets that against Ohio State this weekend, I don't think they win the game. But, I mean, the good news is, is the plays are there to be made. The throws are open. The catches are available. And the wide receivers need to help out a little bit. And J.J. needs to be a little bit more accurate. Seth? Uh I, I mean, if in today's world, no football team is going to take a game more than one game at a time. Nobody is going to look past an opponent. This is as close as you're ever going to get. <laughs> like they, they, they kept guys out, um, and they, they didn't change anything. Like the way that they had 
uh, Upshaw and Harold defending the edge is the same way they would do it with Mike Morris. Now, Mike Morris is a special player, and you can get away with things with Mike Morris, and they were doing the same thing last year with Aiden Hutchinson, a very special player. And, they, they you know, Morris is that dude. You're, they were asking other guys to be that dude so they could play with two safeties back, which there's no reason in the world to play with two safeties back against Illinois. Right? Like, DeVito is not a downfield passer. When he tried to throw a downfield pass, he missed. So the only reason to be doing that is to be practicing. And I, I, the more I was getting into the, the, the charting in this game, it's just like, uh, yeah, we were, we were preparing for Ohio State and resting guys for Ohio State as much as anyone can. I'm not going to say that they didn't prepare at all for Illinois. And they had a couple things actually uh, late in the game that looked very Illinois prepared. Like, they, they'd seen a power run there history before but it was just <clears throat> yeah they looked past them and they got away with it yeah I, I, I as much as i find uh bielema ignore and ignore annoying and a major whiner uh i i have to give him credit that i felt illinois was a very well coached team i i thought their secondary was better than i thought i <laughs> i, I they mm-hmm. they brought they brought guys down into the box and they had the advantage in the box, which we didn't, I think, take advantage of. On the other hand, there were times when they seemed to be coming down in the box. And the next thing you know, that guy is, is flying back into cover two. And it was, it It was, was yeah, it was impressive. And, and uh, I, I don't know who their defensive coordinator is at all, but I felt like he did a really good job. And, um, Helema is a defensive uh, I, guy himself. Okay, and and yeah, he ain't, I can't give him credit for this. That's that's who I didn't know his name either. I guess his name okay. Ryan Walters. Yeah. That dude's legit. That dude's legit. That's his name, right, Ira? Ryan yes, Walters. Ryan Walters. Yeah, that dude's legit. Yeah, like, and and real. yeah, and you know, I felt that even with that in the first half, Michigan, I think had well a, a bit over a hundred yards rushing, and it and we lost a, a score, three to seven points on the fumble. We lost uh, a score on a terrible holding call, which in the context of the game was truly terrible uh, on a nice play by JJ to Roman Wilson, which they, they wiped off the board. So they re- really could have been a, uh, you know, a, a fairly comfortable lead for Michigan halftime, but just turned out not to be. But in the end, I, you know, I, I felt Illinois was probably better than I assumed coming in. And when I look back a bit at their games against um, Michigan State and Purdue, they actually had quite a bit of an edge in play. It just the games didn't, you know, didn't seem to work out for them. Um, so they're, they're pretty good. And I, I think that Illinois is probably going to be consequential going forward as long as, as BLM is there. And I assume yeah. he will be. Yeah. So, I mean, if, unless he use, loses Walters, I mean, yeah. Next to next to Jesse Mentor, that that dude has done an outstanding job. And so I, I would say my biggest I, <sighs> Illinois offense was exactly what I thought it was. Like, you know, mm-hmm. but defensively, they got they have some pros there and they are super well coached. You know, they don't do a whole lot, but what they do do is disguise extremely well. And they fooled JJ a few times. A few times in there, making he making him think he had man to man when he didn't, because you wouldn't you wouldn't think that they could get to cover two the way that they got to it as often as they as they did. And it was really they had some cover zero, like you said, Brian, ton of cover one, 
And then they kept you honest by being able to rotate that into a, a cover two. I hadn't seen a team give a shell and be able to cover one shell to, to the degree that they did and be able to get into cover two as easily as they did without a number of busts. They busted some, but not nearly as much as I thought. I say all of that to say that's the best defense that Michigan has seen. I don't think I don't think that the secondary that they're about to see is nearly as good. And I wonder if they can execute the kind of game plan, because if, if you're going to take anything from what Illinois did, you would kind of take away how they blew up. They attempted to blow up Michigan's inside run, running game. And they were able to, to a certain extent, slow them down with Blake. Blake still had 100 yards, you know, in the first half. But Michigan only had seven points. They would have had 10 or 14. I think they would take that as a win. But Ohio State can't do what they did, I don't think, personally. Uh, because they don't have, I don't think they're as well coached, and I don't think they have the personnel, the, the physicality to do it. You're saying the coaching, not me. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not yeah, I Ohio State's coaching right now. Man, okay. listen, listen to me. <laughs> You're going to see more busts, uh, provi- provided Michigan chooses to attack. I'll save the Ohio State stuff for later. I'm just impressed with, for the intricacies of, of, how, of their disguise, how often those guys made those, you know, made their moves in their secondary without leaving gaping holes hmm. in it. Now, Michigan found some, they found some of those holes from time to time. You had the drop from Andre, that should have been a touchdown. You had the, the drop on the play pass from, from to, to Roman, that should have been a nice play. You had the horrible holding call, right, that took Roman's good play off the board. And then you had to drop by Isaiah Gash, that may have been a touchdown. Or if JJ's feeling it on that play, Maybe he hits Colston Loveland in the end zone on the play that Isaiah Gash drops. I know he overthrew Colston on the next play, but he had Colston Loveland open on the end zone on that play too. So there are so many things that they could have done, but those are like those are like the the few times, the few times that they were able to to maybe make a great individual play and 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 pick it out. Those openings weren't always there against this defense. I think they're more plentiful against Ohio State. Well, I mean, the thing about those is those weren't even great individual plays that had to be made, right? It was the ball's in your hands. Catch the ball. <laughs> it's, uh, and we're not oh, asking you to one, go up. and one. The Roman one. That would have no, been, no, been a tough catch. No, that's a three. I, I mean, it's directly in his hands. It's a little behind him. He had to jump, but Roman's that's in both hands. fourth down conversion is <clears throat> a good catch. But, you yeah. know, we're talking about a defense that uh, has held basically everybody they've faced except a few teams to something like one yard per carry. And you can see why. Uh, And, you know, the thing that bothered me was not, you know, so Illinois is doing some good stuff, but when Michigan had opportunities to, to get after it, they just didn't execute it. And there's a whole other hidden, like lack of yardage here on Michigan's uh, zone read game, because when, uh, McCarthy was able to pull the, go- the ball, Michigan was missing blocks, and McCarthy was not setting up blocks correctly. And then there were three or four other opportunities that were like, you got to pull that ball, and he doesn't. And then, you know, you have defensive ends coming down and making tackles unblocked. And so, you know, we went through this whole season, and we had one game against Penn State where they're able to successfully use the threat of the quarterback to open it up. They have 418 rushing yards, and then that just drops out of the offense entirely. It's gone. And now they bring it back against Illinois, and they can't execute it because they haven't been repping it. They haven't been repping it in live fire. I'm sure they've been repping it in practice, but that's a different situation. And so you have uh, 
a program that's built around this idea is that like this is our identity and this is what we do and they haven't been practicing part of that identity for well haven't been actually using part of that identity except for one or two times a game for a month or two and it's not a huge surprise that they're not executing it very well so my only i mean they need to do what they did against penn state in this game because ohio state is not Illinois, but they're also going to be a better defense than pretty much anyone else Michigan has seen this year. And they're going to be more aggressive and they're going to have a specific game plan for what Michigan has shown all year. So you need to have the ability to effectively use your quarterback's legs, which was not the case in this game. Yeah, there's a there's a mirror situation that went on in this game too, because Illinois runs pretty much the same offense as Michigan. The big difference is Illinois set up RPOs early in the game. Now, RPOs are the same thing as, as McCarthy's legs. It's a read, right? You're holding somebody, some guy backside, and that creates uh, a lot more space and a lot more opportunities for explosives because somebody just can't be part of the play. He's held backside. And there were several times when Illinois is running where you're like, okay, where's our backside linebacker? Why is he not there? And he's, he's stepping back or he's held backwards by a read on a fake RPO because they ran a couple RPOs early in the game. And RPO, it's, it's the same thing. You can really put them in the same box. The, the reads from McCarthy, uh, whether he's keeping it or if they're RPOing on the backside, it's not really that different. It's the same effect. You're holding a guy with the quarterback's eyes. And even when it's not live, it works. Now, Michigan, when they do it and it's not live, it, never, it doesn't work because everyone knows that they're not, it's not going to be live unless they're playing a top 10 team or a rival, right? So those guys are always hightailing it. In Illinois, when... I mean, there were a couple times when Michigan still had that in the play where, like, McCarthy's staring a guy down, and there's no respect for it because Illinois knows, hey, you're not keeping it, right? And Michigan had to respect that because Illinois was bringing out the reads, and the reads were live, or at least earlier, so that when they're fake, you still have to respect it. I really wanted Michigan to use that and hit that against Illinois because then Ohio State's got to respect it. Even if it's not live, you're going to have to... Just looking at a guy, if you have that in your playbook, looking at a guy is going to hold him back there. Yeah, it's the, this is that. That's the, maybe the most curious thing to me: uh, the the lack of RPO with with JJ. I can't quite put my finger on why that is. Because I, I watching him miss some of the throws that he missed that he missed in this game. Because you know we can talk about the drops. JJ just flat missed some and, and you know, missing throws that I know watching him for what five years now, like this dude can make these throws in his sleep. He, how do, how is he this out of rhythm at this point? And how do you achieve rhythm for him? You know, it's, it's, it's too simplistic. And I fell into this. Well, how often did they string together passes? They actually did that a good, a decent amount where, you know, back to back three passes in a row, I think in the first, in the first series. Uh, and Illinois kind of tightened up after that. But how do you how do you achieve rhythm for this guy? I think RPO is a part of it. And I only remember them having one, though, the stick to, to uh, CJ. That's the only RPO I remember them doing in this game. And that was, I thought, going to be after other than running the football was going to I thought was going to be the biggest difference with JJ in the, at the helm. Compared to K, which who they didn't RPO a lot. That wasn't that just wasn't his thing. Yeah. That's not he wasn't he wasn't good at it. He wouldn't make the right. They they had it in but, the offense. It's just he wasn't making the reads. 
but aren't we actually using fewer RPOs with yeah, JJ, I, I, or at least no more at best? Brian, how many I mean, but I would say year? fewer. Can you think? I, I can't. Um, I mean, there were there were a number early in the year, but it just sort of fell out of the offense. And I think I charted maybe one last year. I mean, one last week, mm-hmm. and maybe one or two this week. And yeah, it's I. I I can't explain it. I mean, the only thing that really makes a whole lot of sense is that they're just keeping this in the in there, just keeping it in the barn until the Ohio State game, and then we're going to see it. But as I said before, it's tough to be really good at something that you're not actually using in a game consistently. So, yeah. It, well, here's the thing: this week you may not have a choice but to be more quarterback dependent. That's that's putting the game. You know, you you're putting the decision in your quarterback's hand. He is making, or to your point, he's making a read, whether it's RPO, zone read, uh, you know, to, to me, achieving rhythm for him from a throwing perspective, I know RPO isn't always going to be thrown, but that's a part of it, getting him on the move. Not only is that, you know, he's, he's really comfortable doing it, you create some improv opportunities, you kind of get him in that, in that ball player mode. It, there could be a day, and I think there will be a day, where as a, a pocket passer, he'll, he'll be that guy. He'll be able to do it. it his, his his repeatable mechanics, something that I think is a work in progress. Listening to Devin talk and and Boy just talk about it, but what's not a work in progress is the dude's a ball player. <laughs> like he can throw on a move now. I think he can RPO now. He can zone read now, and they may have to do that more and to depend on him more in this game because your running back your running back room is limited now by injury. So that that might mean that number nine has to be number one when it comes to how you win this game. Yeah, I agree with that. And and it, it felt to me also in this game that Corum maybe was hurt coming into the game. Uh, people mentioned the one play where he runs out of bounds and where you would think that didn't look very typical of, of what Blake Corum does. But there were actually two plays where he ran out of bounds where I felt Ordinarily, he might have tried to cut back up the field and into traffic, and instead he just ran out of bounds. And uh, yeah. so I, I have a hunch that he's that he's been nicked. Who pri- was nicked prior to the Illinois game, which makes his first half even more remarkable. But uh, you know, the kid wants to play. He says he's ready to play, but I have a hunch. Even if he plays, he's not not a hundred percent. And so, in that context. I think you're right, Sam. You're going to, I mean, the more of this game is going to be on, on, on JJ. It isn't going to be like Ohio state last year when Haskins and, and, and well, Coram just, you know, mashed through them. I don't see that. I mean, it's, it's obvious that he's a, he's a different, I think he's the best back in football, but the, the tail mm-hmm. of the two halves, I mean, did, did they play with more abandoned Illinois <laughs> once Blake went out? Certainly seemed that way, but yeah. it wasn't like, they weren't doing a lot of the same stuff, but Blake, I mean, you know, they, they were free their mic up and Blake was beating that dude every, like whether he made a miss or ran through a tackle or just carried him a few yards, mm-hmm. he can, he's going to win that one-on-one or one-on-two battle. Donovan is, is, is going to win his fair share. The other guys aren't there yet. So, you know, running in the loaded boxes it is, it's not as optimal a scenario minus those two backs. Or and it may it may be the case that even with those two backs and, and them being limited, it might not be as optimal a mode of attack. And so, how do you compensate for the 
60 or 70 or however many yards you lose in production, how do you compensate for that in this game? I think it's number nine. Well, yeah. How do you win a playoff game? How how banged up is this running back room going to be? Yeah, well, we don't uh, know. Yeah, I, I they tried to to have a Blake go back in there. He was back in there for the first two plays. He came back a little later in, in that half. He says he's good. I think both of those guys, this is my personal opinion. First of all, the reports that were going around yesterday is saying that Blake has been ruled out for the game. That totally, totally I've heard nothing to say that he's been ruled out for that game. And that's legit and not just smokescreen stuff that they say. I've not heard anything to say that he's been ruled out. I have not heard that Donovan is ruled out either. My personal opinion on it is that we'll see those guys, but you know, I think they'll be limited. I think they'll be like, that's my opinion. Uh, can still be effective, you know, those, I mean, those guys or whatever. If, I don't know what percentage you put on it, but I think those guys even just, just throw out a number. Let's say they're 70%. They're better than a bunch of backs in college football and still can help Michigan have an effective run game, but you can't, you can't lean on it as the as the you know the road to victory. You're gonna have to be more complimentary with your pass game or with your quarterback. That isn't necessarily just a pass thing. Got to be more complimentary with him in this game, in my opinion. Yeah, Ohio State's gonna. I mean, even before they saw Illinois, what does Michigan not like to do? Throw into throw into coverage, right? They 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 do not want to throw at a cover guy, even if it's cover zero. Right, and you just have one-on-one everywhere across the board. Michigan doesn't like to throw that. So Ohio State's going to blitz. They're going to bring their safeties down. That's part of their defense to begin with. And, you know, certainly after they saw Illinois, they know that that's, that's got to be the approach against Michigan. Make McCarthy beat you. So, I, you know, I can't make guesses at where the, the running backs are. And, you know, obviously guys are banged up. Obviously, if it's the Ohio State game, they're going to play – no matter mm-hmm. how banged up they are, right? You're they're they're not letting someone else take that take that shirt, so they're going to be in. But like, how do you win a playoff game? Every, and this that's what that's what we're in right now. We're in the playoffs now, and the way you win a playoff game is your quarterback has to be able to drive the ball down the field, right? You have to win one on one battles. It's just like in the NFL nowadays. Everyone everything comes down to my talent versus your talent. And can my guys go down down the field and make a catch against your guys? Ohio State's got talent back there. I know that their secondary doesn't work great. As, and I would argue Illinois might even have, like, the when they're healthy, is a better secondary overall. I agree. But, like, they got talent well, they back weren't, there. They weren't healthy in this game, and Michigan still went after Witherspoon and all. Way too much. Yeah, yeah. man. That like, was what a, was that? Yeah, man. That's a great observation. That And so that's another thing. And I actually, you know, I, I I had a whole a whole deal, a whole write up after the game, and then after, you know, I talked to 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 Borges and watched the All Twenty Two. I was like, man, I got to go back and revise this. And that is one of the things I talked about the matchup game, man. I mean, don't go after their best guy. Let's go after their their, their weaker guys, man. And let's do it with with maybe your best. I think Roman Wilson is your best downfield threat. Well, let's, I'm just like they had, a, they, had a, they had a waggle where there was a pivot route on, and it was Bell, so he's got Witherspoon on him, and Witherspoon's just like, I, I got this. And I'm just like, yeah. why don't we run him deep and then have anybody else on the team mm-hmm. go up against Illinois' number four cornerback and see how that goes? Yeah. It'll go better than that. That guy's an All American. That guy, huh. 
this is a great observation. Look, yeah. as much man as they play, crossers, picks, matchups, play the matchup game. And I think I think you're right on. So hopefully that's a that's a takeaway from this game. Let's find our best matchup. Go back to and, like the overlooking, right? Like was Michigan playing Ohio State or were they playing Illinois the last weekend? Because you know when they had to go when they had to get a fourth down, who, what did they do? They ran Roman Wilson across the formation, dragged not Witherspoon across with him. Wilson is wide open. They throw it, the throws upfield, but Wilson has enough room because he's so open to like come back and make the catch, and they convert. And like, I mean, they did a they did a number of those things. Like they had a bunch of mesh routes on, and there's one where Hibner's wide open, but the, the throws to Colston Loveland instead, which is yeah. not correct. <laughs> um, and but they they did they did that a lot. So the the offensive game plan did have a lot of man beaters in it. So it wasn't just like okay, we're ignoring this for Ohio State. It's just the execution wasn't up to par. And, you know, it's a first-year quarterback. You have this philosophy about your team. And so sort of the inverse of that is, like, so we're really good at running. We do things that people don't do because it's not 1986 anymore, and they are not built to handle it. And that's the flip side of that is, like, is the execution of the passing game where it is because of Michigan's extreme run focus? And I think part of that answer is probably yes. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I think you can probably work through, but the rate at which they're working through it means that, you know, they're going into the Ohio state game coming off a game where the passing game looked pretty shaky. And mm -hmm. I mean, they, uh, the past is not fate, right? And Michigan can play much better, but I, it's just a concern that you have. Uh, and legitimate one at that. I, I think that, what was curious to me, the the matchup game, and then in the second half, man, I it, it almost felt like they started leaning heavier, at least in first down play calling. He leaning heavier on the run, and it was like, I mean, they were not, they were already doing a good job against the run, but on first down, they were like, they're running the football. They ran and on Michigan, second and 14. They ran on second with a tie game. They ran on second and 14, and you go and watch that, the, the, the play right before when they get the play call in, Roman Wilson is, like, looking at the sideline going, why? What are we doing here? And, like, Roddy <laughs> Bell has to talk him down and, like, tell him to get into his spot. And, and I'm with Wilson because what happens on that play is Illinois brings down the free safety. They go cover zero. Now you got cover zero on second and 14, and we run right into it. They get a 6 <laughs> look, and we run right into it. I, like, at, at, at some point – you got to say, look, man, go go throw the ball. Go, like, go go win this game with with with. with well, you're following man the man. You're let's follow, go. You're you're following the wrong team if that's the way you want Michigan to play. No, I no, but there's it's <laughs> no. I mean, because so like the, the last the last two passes before that were both incompletions. One was the the drag to Loveland, mm -hmm. which was an incorrect decision and a bad throw, and then the other one was the fourth down to Anthony that goes right through his hands. So, I mean, you've just had these two just sort of like, what are we doing here? Passing right. events. And, I mean, it's not right. like there was a whole lot that was going on that was great before that either. True. So, so here, I guess here, here's where I am with it. Certainly, he was there. There's no question JJ was, was off uh, in this game. The receivers were, were dropping balls. The passing game was not giving you reason to think that that was going to be your way out, but you don't have Blake. You don't have Donovan. 
your offensive line, while certainly is is better than a lot of teams would be with with starters out, you know, is not necessarily plowing through this loaded box like we've seen uh, this offensive line when it's at full strength be capable of doing. The way out wound up being throwing the football that when they had to, when when push came to shove, they were able to make enough plays through the air to get it done earlier in that in that half, certainly in the third quarter, where, you know, the, the first down play calling kept putting them behind the sticks. No gain, second and long, second and long, second and long. It was like, man, you're going to have to have to lean more on number nine. Eventually they did. And that wound fortunately, he wound up making enough good throws. Guys wound up holding on to the ball enough. And of course, you got the best kicker in the country and they were able to escape. I just think they're going to have to lean on number nine earlier, even if it's uncomfortable, even if you feel like, man, I don't know if I trust him to RPO. I don't know what choice you have right now. I I mean, it's. Are you going to let Jalen Llewellyn and Kobe Bufkin shoot, or are you going to be like, okay, you guys can't make a shot. We're not going to go that go that route anymore. I mean, you got to let them shoot through it, and that's the same thing with Michigan's passing game right now. You got to let them shoot through it uh, because now we're coming to the Ohio State game, and we feel like our pass game is just not clicking. Yeah, it's it's a, your point is is valid uh, because I'm talking to Brian. Your point is valid because JJ was not on, and then your receivers. You're, you're receiving, and, and you're without your top tight end. So that's that's the other thing. Two, I mean, top two tight ends. Your top two tight ends. So that that's another thing that would make you feel like, man, this is not this is not working. This is not gonna be the answer, but it, it might be the best answer when you're down your top two tailbacks. So anyway, we got to get more of this to get into. I want your you guys as scout of Ohio State. We will get deeper into the Buckeyes. As we come in, who had a tight game themselves? It was a three-point game before that turnover at the end. I'm curious what you guys think of them. We'll get more into Ohio State on the other side here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050 WTKA. The ticket. Now that matchup one is. I thought the same thing about Witherspoon. Like, man, why? I'm not throwing a bad dude. (laughs) That was a great. That was a great point. I mean, they managed to get him on the the PI right at the end of the game, but even that was just like. Why are we doing this? <laughs> Just put Bell on the decoy routes and then have anyone else. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe I they didn't trust identif- anybody else. Yeah, identifying who does what, uh, you know, I, I think is is a real a real kind of thing to focus on in this game. Uh, not every guy is a deep ball guy. No, but right? I I would have given Andrell a deep ball. After the fourth and six, I would have given him a deep ball on the next drive. I would have planned one in for him. That's just, I and that's how Michigan's normally done it. Like you gotta, you know, Isaiah Gas drops the ball. We're gonna go to you on fourth down. Like I guess you know. I, I guess you know Roman is always getting there. He's gonna get the number three guy. Uh huh. I guess and and he's he's your fastest guy. He tracks the ball the best. I'm giving him a shot, and and for no other reason than to make them think that you're gonna try to throw it over their heads once and the way that the posture their DBs start taking it's like oh, Michigan's not going to even try to throw it over our heads we don't have any have to have any concern about that at all and that just made that just made the road tougher to the, the road tougher to hoe for them on the ground yeah every time now, Michigan went passive, went passive with their every time they pulled their uh their cornerbacks off free snap 
Illinois, saw it, checked to it, threw it. They even had a mesh route where, like, you know, that's the backside of the, that's like the, the site read for the mesh route. They threw that twice underneath, one time under Green, one time under Johnson. Like, that, that's, that's got to be in your playbook. Like, they were playing them off, too. So when they're, when they're going cover zero, those guys are 10 yards off. And, you know, even if it's Witherspoon you want to throw at, you could throw that because they're playing off. And Roman Wilson, you know, you don't have to run him deep every single time. You can run a sight read with him where, like, if the guy's playing off, okay, go go 10 yards and run a hitch, and it's going to come to you, you know? Yeah. Incidentally, I thought J.J.'s best pass was on that play that he to Anthony. I mean, uh, I thought it was a whole shot. I thought it was a whole shot to Ronnie. Yeah, because he gets. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, they they stem into the cover too late, and I was like, "That's an impressive read and one throw one. right there." Yeah, yeah. Now here's yeah. here's the thing. Here's the thing because I was wondering he, could, he he tried to hit Ronnie on a on a crosser twice in that. It might have even been three times, thinking he had man to man. I was like, how. I wonder if if he can sort of see this coverage ahead. The safety was a safety on the hash is a kind of a cue that it's going to be cover two. Is that it's not that they are not you know it, it, they are not in cover one. They're going to rotate to to cover two, and he wasn't quite seeing it. It felt like maybe he recognized it on that play and was able to drive that ball in there, but on the backside. Andrea was running. I mean, yeah, I, the middle of wide open. We, we got into this on our podcast too, but like it's it's his first read. So you got JJ is going to throw his first read if it's open. Yeah. So I mean, that's happened a couple times this year where like the second read's open. So fellas, the Buckeyes, tell us, you know, give us your your scout. Starting with you, Brian Cook, on these Buckeyes. They too are undefeated. They have a new defensive coordinator and Jim Knowles. They have a high-octane attack on offense. Break them down for me. Well, uh, one thing that might reassure Michigan fans who uh, are a little bit alarmed about Michigan's performance last week is that uh, Ohio State's actually been outgained three of the last four weeks. They got outgained by everyone except Indiana on their recent schedule, and they have not been a dominant presence. Um, and part of that was the weather against Northwestern. But you know, if you're looking at that game and you're like, well, who's – does Michigan have a better front than Northwestern does? The answer is yes, on both sides of the ball. Was it Northwestern able to stuff their run? Yes. Was was Northwestern able to run the ball? Yes. So I kind of feel like what Illinois was able to do against Michigan, they're not going to be able to do. And then a wide receiver, they have Harrison Jr., who's an All-American type. Well, if JSN doesn't play in this game, and it doesn't seem like he's going to, then – their other guys, Julian Fleming and Egbuka, are not on the level of Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. So, you know, they will have to um, rely on Harrison. They will have to protect, which they're very good at. And Michigan does not have much pass rush this year, at least not organically. So Michigan is going to have to get weird. Like they cannot sit there and rush for much of the time against CJ Stroud because. Stroud is extremely accurate when allowed time. He struggles with pressure. He's decently mobile, and they will run him in this game. Um, you have to prepare for that. I mean, they when they got in trouble against Northwestern late in that game, they brought out Bluff Arc Reed for a 44-yard play that was kind of the, the game-sealing play. So you have to be prepared for Stroud to run in a way that he has not run all year. You have to get after him with blitzes. You have to confuse him. And then 
the Ohio State defense, much better than last year, much more organized, much more diverse, still a work in progress, I think. Still mm -hmm. something where they're not quite fully activated. Yeah, I think the Ohio State defense is probably better than they were last year. I think that's true. Uh, on the other hand, as Brian points out, they don't seem like a particularly – physical or dominating defense up front. I mean, they certainly were against, weren't against Northwestern who pretty much just ran one wildcat play after the next and were still able to able, able to gain yards. And, and I don't think the Northwestern uh, running back I'm blocking on his name hall or hull, something like that uh, is Evan what yeah. Evan Hall is likely to be half or one third as good, even as a 50% play quorum. And uh, so, I, you know, I, I'm not pessimistic uh, about Michigan's opportunities against, against that defense. Now, I, I do think the Ohio State receivers are good, aside from Marvin Harrison, who is phenomenal. I do think Stroud is a good quarterback. I do think he poses some run threats. Um, you know, what's the weather going to be, I guess, is my question. Is it going to be, you know, and I don't think it's going to be super cold, but if it's rainy, uh, this, you know, may look like a completely different game. I don't know if that's good for Michigan or not. Yeah, I I mean, getting the technical things, it's you know, the defense is kind of a team of junior Colsons, I kind of want to say. Like, they're fast. Um, mm -hmm. but they get out of there, uh, I, and the scheme makes sense. They're a lot more, like Brian said, they're more organized than they were last year. Uh, you just see them make mistakes. Their linebackers go in the wrong spot. They got some young uh, defensive ends who just, you know, try to go and win a play when they should just be doing their job. And it's, um, you know, there, there are ways to crack them. It's, but it's hard to, like, see exactly how that happens unless, you know, Michigan is just – adjusting to everything they see and taking opportunities that they that they get from that it it's a it's one of those things where like okay McCarthy's going to take his first shot but like there's going to be some guys open that he might uh not even see on there I I want to zoom back a little bit and just look at the rivalry because Harbaugh had a quote to, uh yesterday that I just love there's no need to hate and like they, the the way we talk about rivalries is you know oh this this team hates these guys so much and like that's that's been true since Woody Hayes, you know, had his uh, car breakdown, I guess. Or, you know, that, that's just been the, the theme of this rivalry until, like, last year, there's, it's just, at least from the Michigan side, there's been a ton of respect. And I think that, that this rivalry, one of the great things about it is that level of respect. Um, and, like, that quote, man, there's no need to hate. Like, I just want that to be the... I want that to be the calling sign. I'm so sick of the, the talk of like, oh, hey, Ohio State sucks. Oh, I hate, you know, oh, they're cheap. Oh, they're weak. You know, like. So what kind of what kind of hate are we talking about? Are we talking about sports hate or real hate? Real hate. Like, I don't I don't really hate Ohio State, but sports hate. Oh, hell yeah, man. No, 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 no. But, but, just, just... but they really hate us. <laughs> they really. And there's and, and I, maybe the teams aren't like this, too. But like, you know, the tenor of stuff online, the, the tenor of the things that you hear from Ohio State, they they really hate us. And I I think Michigan's approach is maybe part of what's changed the the, the feel of the rivalry here. Like you, my feel going into this game is not like 2018 or 2016 even where it's like, you know, I think we're going to go talent up against these guys. I think that I'm curious what you I'm curious what you got just rivalries yeah. in general. You didn't you didn't like Bird Magic when they hated each other. You didn't like Pistons, Bulls, when they hated they, each other. They hate that. That's different. 
That's different, man. Like that that rose their level of play to like <clears throat> new levels. But like the fans didn't hate each other. I wasn't like I wasn't hating Bulls fans. I I love hating the Buckeyes. I I, <laughs> I, I love that that they were so that they were so emasculated by the pummeling they took last year, by the curb stomping that they were victimized by last year that they had to go and try to figure out how to change their entire identity. I love that. Well, yeah, I love that. that's that's not what I'm talking about, though. I, I'm talking about like the vicious, like, you know, I can't stand you know, I can't even use the M anymore. Like, I I think that the tenor of the rivalry, especially for the fans, is not hating the personality of the, the people themselves. It's like, yeah. You want to play in this game, Ohio State? You're going to have to play in the snow. You're going to have to play tough. You're going to have to get in the way of Hassan Haskins or Blake Corm. But, like, that is that is different. That's that's respect, man. Like, if you're going to you play like that way, Jim that Harbaugh is respect. You didn't like Jim Harbaugh saying this dude up here boasting like he wasn't born on third base. You didn't like that. <laughs> you got to love that, Seth. I love that, Come too. On, but that's But also, that's the kind of thing I would say to my best friend if we're, like, you know, ribbing each other on the couch during a, you know, a Madden game. I just right? wasn't ribbing. Jim wasn't ribbing him. <laughs> he was being serious. I got coming up. Had this dude sit up here telling me, talking about what they do and how good. Man, he inherited a dynasty. Pretty easy living, right? <laughs> and the minute he has some adversity, he fires his host and he fires his boy, right? The guy that he had to come down. Hey, hey, Al, come on, come coach with me. I know you like it at Michigan, but come on over here. Hang out, right? Man, and and hire Kerry Combs to be his DC and then and think it's gonna work out. That's everyone's fault. No, you made a bad hire. Now maybe he fixed it with Jim Knowles. We'll see. We'll see. But I he this is the kind of thing that happens when you're born on third base. You think you think you have all the answers, and then when someone tests you the way Michigan tests you last year, now you start second guessing everything. Can Michigan do the same thing this year? Because here's a question for you. What if Michigan goes down to Columbus and does it again? Is Ryan Day on the hot seat? Not from the standpoint of getting fired, but from the standpoint of their fan base. Do you start to see fans turning on Ryan Day if they lose this game to Michigan this year? Is what, what, would, what would Ryan Day's record yes. against Michigan be if they lose yes. this week? What's Ryan Day's record against Michigan if they lose this week? Because he comes. How long has he been there? So it'd be two and two, right? When wouldn't it be two and two? He they yeah, didn't play in twenty twenty. We all know Michigan would have won anyway. He won in twenty nineteen. <laughs> twenty eighteen, you know, Urban Martin was still coaching in twenty eighteen. Okay. No, no, they had they they had to like, you know, sit him out for three games where like he just got he just didn't get to be on the sideline for three games and, and Ryan Day got to do a little coaching and Ryan Day was there. But Ryan Day doesn't get credit for twenty eighteen. So he's got one win before the pandemic began. If you want to know so how long think, ago it's been <laughs> since Ohio so, State so beat Michigan. He loses, so, so, so if he loses, he's on the hot seat with the fans, you he's think? one and two. They, He'd be one and two. He's, he's already on the hot seat with the fans. He did really? nothing to prevent Michigan from going 11 or no. <laughs> <laughs> he did nothing. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what life is like uh, for him because he seemed like when they lost that game last year, dude seemed legitimately shook. Like, man, I can't believe that. I mean, we got to go back. And we got to. I just, yeah. it was demoralizing, which it was. But, I mean, you lost to a really good team. I mean, you know, think, things I, happen. I, I'm, not, I'm not questioning 
the health of my program by losing that game. It seemed like he was. I remember losing oh. 2002, and I was shook for, for a week. Like, I wasn't used to Ohio, a worse Ohio State team coming in and beating us, and Trestle, like, calling his shot, and then, or, sorry, 2001. Trestle calling his shot, and then, uh, and then that happening, like, that, that, that was a shake. That's tough. That was tough. Yeah. Hey, so uh, let's yeah. injuries. Have you guys? So how bad we know with Michigan, we know that that Blake's banged up. We know Donovan's banged up. We know Trevor Keegan's banged up. Right. Mike Morris looked like he was moving around pretty well. I think it looked like he was lobbying to get back in the game. You know, he's going to play this week. What about Ohio State? What are what's their injury situation look like? I know they were banged up at running back, too. Well, I mean, they had Dallas Hayden come in for most of the their most recent game against Maryland. Um, Mayan Williams probably has a high ankle sprain. I'm just, I think that's the case. I would be a little bit surprised to see him uh, this weekend. And then Trayvon Henderson had 11 carries in that game. Uh, got yanked, might not have gotten yanked for health reasons. Uh, some of the smarter Ohio State coaching types on Twitter who I follow were basically sharing screenshots of uh, really terrible decisions from Dravion Henderson. He's just bouncing into nothing when he's got lanes up the, up the gut, that kind of thing. So um, it may be a situation where Henderson is available, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see that freshman. Mm, yeah. The freshman uh, didn't yeah. do a whole lot on his own. Like they were blocking pretty well. Like I, I don't remember seeing him actually like making a lot of yards on his own. Like they were blocking it well, um, which is, you know, Maryland caveats aside, like, you know, the Ohio State line has not been great at run blocking this year, especially the guards. Uh, the tackles can move people. The tackles are absolutely legit. Um, but they're built for pass blocking. And those, even the guards were like, you know, recruited as like five-star tackles who were moved to guard. You know, they, that's, that's what they do. And when they have a fourth and one, they go and throw the ball because that's what they do. You know, and... It's 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 been marvelous all year. They're not going to be accused by anybody of taking their foot off the gas. And you know, they're Marvin Harrison is is, is just incredible. But Brian mentioned Jackson Smith and Najigba. Uh, like that has been a huge loss all year for them. And remember him last year? He was the one keeping them in that game, right? Like he he just did some ridiculous things. And the other guys got you know everyone else got like a a, a play or two plays. But Smith and Jigba was just killing us and you know he, rod moore been a year older but like you know he it's gonna be him and, and mikey samer still but you know last year he had dax hill on that guy and he still was making those plays so i i think that is probably the biggest injury for them um and if they do suddenly like magically get him back that could be a big deal for Ohio state yeah it, it shall be interesting i mean zach harrison showed up in that game last week i think he was playing with a couple broken hands uh, in that contest, um, I think I think I remember Ransom getting hurt at one point in that contest, and and CJ Stroud was limping around a little bit in that game too. So I, I don't know what that what that means for them this week. I mean, Harrison still had a heck of a game, so uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. The injury thing plays out for both sides. I know this is a tough question to ask you this early in the week and not knowing the injury status statuses but give me a give me a winner in this game fellas i mean put it on the line who you got brian uh i just don't believe in the michigan passing game enough i i think that it'll be competitive but i think ohio state will pull it out by seven points all right seth 
Uh, I'm thinking about this. Michigan. 42-27. Michigan. Maybe. 42. <laughs> Ohio State. 27. <laughs> All right. And Craig, you last up, man. Uh, yeah, I don't like I don't like us in this game. Uh, I I don't see it happening. Uh, I got Ohio State uh, 27, Michigan 10. Uh, you know, now if the weather's terrible, but you know, I might revise it a bit. Uh, but and injuries might change it a bit. But right now, I. I I think Ohio State's – I think we're going to have too much of a difficulty with their pass game. Gotcha. Well, fellas, appreciate you taking time out of your Tuesday to spend with us. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Folks, the rest of you will see you tomorrow here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050, WTK, the ticket, the official voice of University of Michigan Sports, Ann Arbor, Accumulus Station. game we are yeah good i guarantee it